Hey, fabulous listeners. Welcome back to Shut Up Chanel, your go-to podcast for unfiltered conversations and fabulous friends. I'm Chanel Perillo, your host. And today we're about to turn up the heat. I'm already getting a little hot with a special guest who needs no introduction. The incomparable Laith Ashley is here. Laith is an American model, actor, activist, singer, songwriter, and entertainer of Dominican descent. He isn't just a force to be reckoned with in the entertainment industry. He's a beacon of empowerment and authenticity. From gracing the covers of renowned magazines to captivating audiences with his magnetic presence on stage and screen, Laith's journey is as inspiring as it is extraordinary. But beyond the glitz and glamour, Laith is a dear friend of mine with a heart of gold and a smile that lights up any room. Today, we're diving deep into the world of fashion, friendship, and flirtatious banter with the one and only Laith Ashley. So get ready to swoon, laugh, and maybe even blush a little. I know I will. As we unravel the charm of Laith Ashley. Buckle up, hit that subscribe button, and join me, Chanel Perillo, as I take you on my LGBTQIA plus journey alongside the irresistible Laith Ashley. Shut up, Chanel! Oh my God. It's so good to see you. I haven't seen Laith in so long. So wait, let's welcome to yes. the stage, Laith Ashley. I already did hey. your introduction before you hopped on. Okay. Um, how are you? Welcome yeah, to I Shut Up Chanel. I'm doing good. Uh, I mean, as everyone knows, I about me and, and Miss Miss Wanza were neighbors. <laughs> so she right before hopping on, that's why it took so long as well. She dropped off her dog. So if you hear running around, her dog and my dog are playing. <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm just uh, you know, trying to do do what I can. You know, this whole Hollywood game can get to you, but mm -hmm. you have to keep it keep it moving, keep it going. What do you mean by that? Tell me. Um, vent, vent to me. Vent I'll, to I'll, me. I'll vent a little bit. Look, so I mean, I've I've been at this now for I say almost ten years, if not ten years already. And you know, they say, oh, you put your ten years in, and and eventually something will happen. And hey, maybe it will happen this year, maybe next year. But sometimes, I, I as I'm getting older, I've had been getting a little bit more frustrated with with this industry. There's this this feeling like you're being shut out or you're not enough. And uh, when I first came into this industry, I was just like, I'm gonna work so hard. I'm gonna have this perfect body 24/7, and I'm tired. <laughs> I just want to <laughs> eat. And I don't want to go to the gym all the time. <laughs> I'm just like, y'all, I've looked like this for all this time. Calvin Klein, what's up? Y'all can't put me on a on on an ad one time. You got all these other guys. I'm like, I would look way better than them. And now that I'm I feel like I'm falling off. And it's just like, ah, when is it gonna happen? Will it happen? Uh, what does that mean for for me and my career? Not just Cal Calvin Klein. I was just using that as an example, but it's just mm it feels like you're not seen and in a we're in this this era especially with social media with where everyone just wants affirmation and wants to be seen which is great and i think that there is enough space for everybody but it's it's almost like it feels like purposely being shut out or silenced sometimes okay well one as your friend like i wouldn't even like i feel like you have been killing it like there's so many things that you have accomplished and done that like 
it's so hard to listen to a friend, like not think that they've made it like late, late, late. You were the love interest in a Taylor Swift music video. Yeah. I guess in my mind, I, I, I was hoping that that would that would bring about bring more, more. Um, because I mean, obviously, I, I know that this is the artist struggle. You trying to do say. the most. Yes. I was like, you're but... not an artist unless you are constantly <laughs> like not feeling like you've done enough. You're, yeah. Well, I guess it's like wanting that financial security. That's um, what it not, is. Where you're not like, oh, when is the next job coming? Like, shit, I got all these bills to pay. Mm -hmm. um, like, what am I going to do? <laughs> so no, there's, there's that, I, you yeah. Know? <laughs> I think from the outside looking in, like people look at your Instagram, probably even mine sometimes, and yeah. think that we're living a higher life than we are. And like me and yeah. you are both in our apartments right mm -hmm. now, like probably struggling to pay <laughs> right. our bills this week. And that's like goes to show like, like people in middle America don't realize like you can be in a Taylor Swift music video and like still be struggling to pay your bills. Yeah. Like it, yeah. they, the I two don't go hand in hand. I, absolutely. I think like even a, a lot of people, like I obviously I count my blessings during the pandemic. A lot of people were struggling like, mm -hmm. between 2020, 2022. I did. I was working so much, and I was shocked. I think that what ended up happening too was just uh, after um, that whole Dylan Mulvaney uh, thing ended up happening with. I think it was with Bud Light. Um, mm -hmm. It was with Bud Light. Yeah, and then on top of that, all the anti-LGBT, anti-trans legislation. A lot of brands didn't want to touch trans people. Um, so there's been. I feel like there's there's been also actively other, other brands have been staying away from trans creators and trans artists. So there's there's it feels like there's not as much work uh, that's available, which is so and you and know? that's the thing. And that's why it is. It's so like closed minded of me to like just assume that like you're getting all these jobs because like I know yeah. you and I like <laughs> I think like in my head, I'm like, Laith is so beautiful. Like, how is he not <laughs> work? You're welcome. Um, <laughs> how is he? How is he not getting all the gigs? Did this start during the Trump era? Did you think the pushback on on oh. trans work? Absolutely. I think um, it did it. I think it, it reached ahead. I can get into this. I've been studying it, especially with what's going on in the Middle East right now. I don't want to talk to him. I don't want your <laughs> your your podcast to get demonetized or whatever. But I started doing a ton of research. I have like stacks of books, articles that I've been reading. And I was just like, there's there are things that I knew because I, I, I was in AP Euro um, in high school. Um, but then I, I kind of went deviated over to um the arts and well first math and then I was just like okay I'm done with math and then went into the the arts so there's there's some things that I needed a refresher on and I was just like whoa this all makes perfect sense as right I think 20 I started my transition in 2014 and 2015 I feel like there was this huge I wouldn't say push but there was this opening where people were just like we want to hear these stories we want to we want to talk to these folks um and that's around the time that that strut came out and uh, Laverne Cox uh was on her orange is a new black and, and a lot of things were happening for other trans folks in media and then all of a sudden trump was elected and it was just like they're trying to groom our kids and i'm yeah. like what are you talking about <laughs> so i think and then the, and the, ba the whole bathroom situation and it was it's it's uh what i call uh what is called like wedge issues that have that have really divided the like the u.s i think the world but particularly talking about the u.s with there's certain issues that if you if you're uh, on one side you're a Republican and on the other side you're a Democrat and I'm just like look for the most part everyone wants the same thing 
And I think that the language that's used by the politicians to trick you into voting for them, it's what's actually happening here. And then it's keeping people, it's making people emotional and riled up like, oh, we have to protect this or that. And not listening to, we're not listening to each other. And then mm -hmm. we're going against each other. And it's done, it's, this, is, this is being done on purpose to keep us mm -hmm. divided. pretty much low level, divided and dumb. <laughs> no, completely. <laughs> it, it, and it's all done it's all done using gay, gay drag queens and trans people as like the mm -hmm. scapegoats, like the faces yeah. of this divide. Mm -hmm. And so it's easier to like, oh, it's so frustrating. It's, it's frustrating. <laughs> so with along with the, the Taylor Swift thing, like you said, I, like after that, my team was just like, you're going to get so much work. Let's see what ends up happening. I barely got any like interviews. Uh, people didn't really care. I think me being trans in, in, in the video kind of went over a lot of people's heads unless they knew who I was or unless. Like, oh, completely, just, yeah. completely. Or, um, yeah. Like <laughs> or, hashtag like <laughs> love interest. But yeah, yeah, like people didn't even know, like there mm -hmm. wasn't enough press around it. Like when I'll never forget, I know the day I think I reached out to you for something that I, I wanted you for. And you were like, don't tell anyone, but I'm going to shoot the Taylor Swift music video. Yeah. And then I died. I was like, this is like, like you're about to be a household name. I was like, this is going to be crazy. And I also thought that like the media would make it a headline, like mm -hmm. trans model activist yeah. is love interest. But there was none of that. I didn't no, see nothing. like, and it was maybe picked up by like a couple gay publications, but mm -hmm. nothing mainstream nothing was picking, yeah. which is wild. And I was surprised. And, and uh, she didn't say much either. And she I, didn't because yeah. she could have said something. Mm -hmm. But I, I think that was probably to her team. Herself. It yeah. was her team. It wasn't yeah, her decision. Sure. So um, then there's like, I, I just kept thinking about this, the model that played her love interest in 2014, Sean O'Pry. I've mentioned him a few times on, on the other interviews that I did as well. Mm -hmm. where, you know, white cis guy, really attractive man. I mean, obvi obviously, the, she picks hot guys to be her, <laughs> to be her love interest. <laughs> yeah. no, but, um, but he like working nonstop. And he's ever since he did that, he was working already, but not to not it wasn't to the level that he was at after mm -hmm. So he. And since then, if you look up like top male models, he's number one. He's like I think he's he has surpassed David Gandhi, who was number one for a very long time as far as getting a lot of campaigns and working. So it's like it's Sean O'Pry, David Gandhi and Tyson Beckford. And I'm like, I'm over here like a crumb, sir, please. Someone <laughs> hire me. <laughs> But, you know, I mean, at this point, I'm just like, well, I'm going to have to create my own lane. Um, and I've been trying to figure out what to do there. Is that I, I remember when I first came out here and I was hustling, I was like, I'm going to do everything. I was doing music. I was doing I was doing all of the things. Mm -hmm. And it just it was draining because I felt like okay, we no burnt one. ourselves out. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> I was all like all the time when I'm I moved here. In 20, I did everything. <laughs> everything. And like for free, like I'd be like, oh, like just to like. Yeah. Put my name out there. Go mm -hmm. to, I was going to dinners just to get my name out there. I would like, you know, networking. That was the yeah. thing before Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Like before you could like, you know, like before there was Instagram, like you'd have to go out and network. Yeah. And it was a different world. And and I think we may have burnt our, I think that Hollywood does that. I think like mm -hmm. the Hollywood burnout is real. And sometimes yeah. you just have to like refocus your, your energy on yourself. And yeah. you're like, 
the plan for you in life is still unfolding. <laughs> like that's how you also have to look at it. Yeah. Cause I have to talk to myself like that too. I feel like we are like, we're both overthinkers. We're both sensitive creatures. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. I, I, I always think felt I, that. I, I always felt like our, like I'm a cancer. I'm the most sensitive. There <laughs> we go. Okay. Yeah. I'm a cancer rising. So okay, like I'm this sense. outgoing Leo. I'm like, yeah. Everyone sees me as a Leo, but really I'm this like very emotional, highly sensitive. And I just started owning that. Like I used to try to hide my sensitivity. Like I would, I would like, I don't know. Like, I think like people don't like to see people cry and people used to like, yeah. always never want to see me cry. But now I'm kind of like owning that I'm, I just know it's not going to go away. Yeah. My therapist has helped me realize that it's like, Chanel, like you're always going to be sensitive. So you might as well just okay. own it. And it's mm. me, it's okay. It's kind of, it's a very beautiful thing. I think same here. I thought that me being sensitive or taking things to heart too much was a, a weakness at one point. Um, I mean, there's, I think there's definitely a balance. Uh, you mm -hmm. can't just go around crying and being emotional. No, no, there's, there's, I, I mean, I but, think uh, at one point I was a little emotionally unstable. Yeah. <laughs> But <laughs> that part absolutely <laughs> I, I have definitely been emotionally unstable in my in my journey thus far yeah um, <laughs> but I think that's because I constantly tried to hide mm -hmm. my emotions and so I would it would be they would come out in times that were inappropriate like you know if you like push it down then you know you go out you have a couple drinks you're that's why you're the girl crying in the club it's yeah. not like <laughs> Yeah, for it's it's definitely it's also like for me learning to set boundaries because I was mm -hmm. I, I've always been like a big people pleaser. Mm -hmm. and, and I just wanted to be liked, and especially after my transition and then going into media, and even the way that that happened, it was just like being bombarded on 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 Instagram with like negative commentary, and I was going in there and trying to individually talk to all these people, really kind of like why don't you like what why do you feel this way? Like I tried and tried to. Ex basically over explain what my experience was to no mm -hmm. male because they didn't give a fuck they were just like fuck you tranny like i was like okay all right well that's that's done there i'm gonna have to start blocking folks but it took me a while to not do that even i still do it now um but i'm learning to say say no and kind of stand my ground and to advocate for myself to stand up for myself and all that has taken time time for me Mm -hmm. it's yeah. all like it's that's a part of self like i never even realized that like boundaries were a form of self-love like mm -hmm. saying no is is empowering and like yeah. knowing it's also like i've been working on aligning my values like and living through that like if this doesn't if this doesn't align with my values then i say no mm -hmm. and that's okay and like it's okay to upset people it's okay you know because at the end of the day like i'm happier <laughs> yeah yeah and it's if in order for you to do your best work, you have to be in a good place as well. And 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 you you want to do, I think when there's something that you really want to do and it does align, it mm -hmm. kind of it flows better. You you perform better. All the things just fall into place versus you forcing something that you really don't want to do. Maybe mm -hmm. someone gets under your skin and now you're like, I don't fucking want to do this shit. And I'm going to lash out. And now you look, I, I mean, I'm speaking from, I'm like, I look like a crazy person because I kept sweeping things under the rug. And then all of a sudden I'm just like, explosion and now i'm like mm -hmm. has a temper problem i'm like 
<laughs> but it's not. It's that you were stopped listening to that inner voice. And now yeah. I'm really trying to listen to the inner voice because, yeah, that's the thing. You build up resentment. Mm -hmm. You build up resentment and then you unleash it all because they did one little thing. And really, you're not mad about that little thing. You're mad yeah. about the thing a month ago that you right. swept under the rug. Yes. <laughs> Fucking growth. Are you in therapy? I feel like you are. Uh, I was. I haven't. I actually I feel like I need to go back. <laughs> uh, what's been happening is, though, I've become a recluse. So I'm in my apartment all the time so i'm not being triggered so i don't know what's gonna happen when i have to start being outside again and i'm just like don't be triggered relax go breathe in the corner somewhere before i come back people don't talk about that enough i always mm -hmm. felt like like i always felt like i was sim like similar to you and it's so weird because i was the most i was out every night of my life i think since i from like 16 i would say to like mm -hmm. 30 early 30s like yeah i was probably out or social or doing something like not in the house mm. and then covid really i don't it brought out the introvert in me and i realized that like i really had just been like numbing a lot of stuff by going out and getting external validation i realized that like a lot of my time in West Hollywood and going out was all for external validation. And when you have to like sit at home and like self-validate, yeah. you, I, I got depressed, but then now I'm in this place where like, I love being home. Like yeah. I, I, that I've just now signed up. I signed up for the gym four weeks ago and I've gone every, uh, like I've okay. only missed <laughs> one day a week. I'm like super about it, but now that's like my social time. And so like now like, I feel like I at least like got out of the house, did something, was around other people mm -hmm. that wasn't drinking or just like going out, you know, and, and it's like a healthy and now I feel like less of a recluse. So, yeah, that's that's uh that's kind of my thing. My going out is the gym as well. That's my mm -hmm. that's where I go out. But the, the, the here's here's my people pleasing problem. Sometimes I'll see people that I, I would see around before when I was going out and going to West Hollywood and things like mm -hmm. that. And they're just like, I don't see you anymore. Like, let's let's hang out. And I was, I'm like, in the moment, because I'm outside, I'm like, yeah, let's totally do it. And then when they follow up, I'm just like, mm, mm, yeah, at the gym. <laughs> <laughs> it's because they got you in your yeah. endorphins. Or I know. I'm just like, I'm excited. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go out. Like, we're going to do this and that. We can grab a coffee. And I'm just like, you know what? Uh, it's probably not going to happen. We can FaceTime, though. <laughs> I know. Sometimes it's like that fear of our triggers. Yeah. But something I've learned and, and maybe this will help you is like, it's so like, you could go out for 20 minutes. Like, like I have this because we're people pleasers. We yeah. feel like once we're out, we're out. We have mm -hmm. to be with everyone. If they say, mm -hmm. no, don't go home. We go, okay, we'll stay. Yeah. <laughs> Not listening to our inner voices, but like, if you could go out and just give yourself a timer. Like I'm going to go out for 30 minutes tonight and I'm going to make sure I go home right after. And then like, Here's the it, thing, though. What? I do, I usually, sometimes when I go out, when I finally get myself out, I'm I have a really good time. So now I'm like, I we've don't talked leave yet. about yeah. this. <laughs> and I'm like, and then I'll be the last one. I'll be like, like this. I would do this when I lived in New York. I'm just like, oh, right, I'm gonna go out. I'll dance for a little bit, and then I'll go home, and I'll be like the last one leaving the club at yeah. like, in the morning. <laughs> See, <laughs> like we're, we're all or nothing. We're all or nothing, people. Yeah. So it's just I like once it. you get me outside, I'm outside. But getting me there. That's that's the difficult part. I'm I know. Get 
there I go. know that about you because I feel like I've seen you out before and you're like, now I'm not, I'm definitely not going home now. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I love that we got so sidetracked. It's so mm-hmm. good. Like we're, we got this flow in. I want to tell the listeners how you and I met, like, what is your first okay. memory of meeting me? How did we, and, and I don't know if I couldn't remember. I, I think it was the Marco Marco show in 2017. <gasps> Look that's, at that's, you. That's when we met. And I was just like, okay, who's the the hot Italian girl over there with, <laughs> with Marco? <laughs> and you were like running shit behind the scenes. Because I, I remember, I don't remember where it was that we we were walking exactly. Actually, yes, I do. It was it was the one with all the dividers. So there were like maybe four models on the stage and there was a short, there was a short runway. And we started out outside in like an alleyway and you were like, putting everyone in the line and, and making sure that everyone was where they're supposed to be. You're like badass. <laughs> that is, that I it. mean, I love that. I, yeah. <laughs> I like produce it, like producing backstage on a fashion yeah. show, like yeah. is like <laughs> heroin to me. Yeah. Like I get so <laughs> off on it. I like that power and control. Yeah. <laughs> that Leo and energy. It's that Leo. Get, like people have to listen to me now. Yeah. Um, but like it is, it's just so exhilarating. And mm-hmm. It's that high, like, I think because I am, like, very, like, I am a, like, I hate when people are like, I'm an empath, but I do really feed off, like, people's, like, emotions around me. And so, like, mm-hmm. that, like, being around all that nervousness and then, like, how exciting you guys feel when you get off yeah. that runway. Like, it's just exhilarating. And I used to get that same joy when I worked on Drag Race. Like, mm-hmm. my favorite part of every episode of working on Drag Race was when I would line up the girls yeah. for for the main stage and they would come and that was my first taste of a fashion show like i had never worked on a fashion show but drag race was kind of like they prepared me for marco marco show that's how i felt like i was like marco marco was like that's why i was trained to do you know to work on drag race but i remember that first time like a queen came off the stage and how like accomplished they felt off of mm-hmm. like 10 seconds of walking down the runway i was like i want i want to be around this kind of energy I had, <laughs> I had no idea you you were on you produced on drag race i had like I, or you were what was, what was your title was that it is it producer well i started i started out as a pa yeah, and then okay. i became like a talent producer so i was uh, like yeah wow. <laughs> I, so you've been doing all the things i'm like okay you were really you were like i'm in la and i'm gonna do everything everything <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> i moved to la i had such a like like such an la girl story like i came for fit um i came for fashion school during the recession where there was no fashion jobs. And so I was like, what the fuck am I going to do? And I was like, started going out to the clubs and I met these guys out that like produced red carpet events and stuff. And they hired me as their assistant. So I was like this 20 year old, like getting to like work the door at like all these like fierce red carpet events and like press events, like back before Instagram where like I back it before Instagram, like LA used to be popping like all day yeah. and all night like there would be red carpet events like all day long because people needed to like go get their picture taken and mm-hmm. stuff and I, I feel like that declined with instagram i'm not gonna lie like i love social media <laughs> i love i love what it has done mm-hmm. but i think i think that we need to go a little bit back to the way it was because i miss it it's not it's i wouldn't i, I hate using the word like oversaturated because i do like the idea that that it gives people that otherwise wouldn't have an opportunity to enter 
uh, entertainment if they want to, the opportunity to do so. Um, but it's kind of, it feels like it's cheapened it because everyone has content. Like you just, now you got, you have your phone, you have your lighting, you have your mic, you have all the, the equipment, you can produce something yourself, which is great. But also sometimes the quality isn't, isn't so, isn't so great. Or like you're producing really short form stuff. So as a, as someone that's consuming that you're just like TikTok, you're just scrolling, scrolling for hours, watching everybody's stuff. So then no one has every, no one has the uh, attention span to watch like a feature film or something longer anymore. It has to be these short snippets of things. Even music has gotten shorter. <laughs> Mm-hmm. The song used It's to be four and a half minutes saturated. and it's just like two minutes long or like a minute long snippet that or 30 seconds even that goes on TikTok on someone's video. Oh, I think it's completely oversaturated. And it's like, <laughs> you said <laughs> it. <laughs> I was like, oh, I mean, yeah. all of it is. <laughs> I mean, even I mean, dating, yeah. we're all desensitized. All of it, yeah. We're desensitized. Yeah. Like, there's really no like order, like pecking order of like who's considered famous and who isn't anymore. Like Mm it used to be like a casting director would find you and like they -mm. would determine you're a star. -mm. Yeah. And then and now it's like anyone with a good camera, <laughs> yeah. you <laughs> mm know, could become famous. -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I And mean, if and they're done after like yeah. a, a couple years, you know, because Yeah. it's like and then I also worry about these kids that have like all this fame and like success so young. Like, where are they going to be in their 60s? Like, if you're if you're peaking at 16, like what else is there to live for? Like, I feel like there's going to be like a huge depression amongst like Gen Gen Zers for sure. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, too. I think, well, it becomes everything is a, just everyone's hopping on a trend. So there's something that's trending. People hop on the trend. They kill it until the next like next trend. And everything seems it's very much the same. It looks very uniform. And the purpose of it is to keep people like on their phones to, to purchase things, because that's ultimately it's corporations is to It spend makes money. me sick. Yeah. Whenever And I go yeah. <laughs> to buy something off of an influencer, I always catch myself like, bitch, this girl just almost got you to buy her Yeah, you don't fit. need this shit. I don't need it. <laughs> You were fine. yeah. Like I, and I'm like guilty of it sometimes. Like I'll be like, oh my God, Yeah. I love that girl's style. Like, let me look at her Amazon storefront. And then Yeah. I'm like, literally, this is what the job that she's doing. Like, Yeah. and like, she got me. But it also it it also makes it so that everyone everyone is doing the same, so everyone is easily replaceable. And then it like I, I know for like for models that have been working for a long time, they they're no longer, they probably don't get paid as much as they would for a big advertising campaign because these brands are paying influencers a tiny amount for, and it's also, it's it's unfair on all ends because if you think about the, the person who's the influencer or the content creator, they have, they're doing their own makeup. They're They're doing doing their own hair, all the work. right? They're getting They're fil everything. filming themselves, but they're not getting paid what they No. would pay an entire team to do all those things. So that's, it's also fucked up. So every, so the, the people I've that, noticed that. Like so with it's influencers, like, I'm like, there used to be a day where like they would <laughs> like, I can't believe you're doing your own makeup and hair. makeup, hair, lighting, editing, filming, it's every, everything. So like for me, uh, I, I was, I'm, I'm at a, I'm a digital, I'm managed by, by a digital manager. And I told them, I'm like, I feel like I'm aging out of this. I want to show up and do my job. I don't want to have to constantly set up lights, take lights down, put up a camera. Oh, this is, and then, then film, then edit, then put out con Yeah, like, I just want like to you're show not up in production. and be, yeah, I'm not right. I'm just like, am I a producer? Am I going to be paid as that? No, I'm not. I'm being paid as talent. So I want to be talent. Let me be talent. So I, I'm just like, <laughs> It's a hard, I'm, I'm it's so a hard tired. time. And I another, know. re and then also go to the gym and stay on, stay on top of my fitness and my skincare. I'm like, I'm in my thirties now. I got to look like my twenties. 
and have my body right and people don't want to see me and you're trans but you're not you're not trans enough and i'm and then and you're also brown and you look like a middle eastern person we don't like you I'm not, it's a hot mess it's a lot of things <laughs> well i love you and i know a lot of people ah, love you and i, love I know you <laughs> i know so many people yeah. have crushes on you <laughs> i was telling you about my neighbor <laughs> I was last night. I was like, he would really wanted to out uh, his neighbor on the podcast today. Uh, Lathe has a neighbor that's in love watch. with him. <laughs> She's not listening. <laughs> wait, I do want to take it back a little. So wait, okay. okay. Marco Marco show 2000. I, I thought it 2017. That's where we met. I remember. I remember the first time you came. I was like, oh my God, Lathe is so hot. Like I, <laughs> I think I had DM'd you. I probably found you on Instagram, yeah. DM'd you. Everyone had been talking like, you should book Leith Ashley. Did you live in LA yet? No, I was still in New York. <gasps> you were yeah. still in yeah. New York. Oh my yeah. God. So you came yeah. to, and the show, that show was in New York or LA? It was in LA. It was in LA. Oh my I God. Think, I think I was put up in Mama Shelter. You put me up in Mama Shelter for, for that. Event. Oh my God, we give you a yeah. hotel room? Look at us. <laughs> yeah, no, I was just like, Ooh, this is cute. And this is like, you know, the beginnings of things. So I was just like a little feeling myself. I'm like, look at me getting flewed out. <laughs> I'm getting <laughs> flown out, getting put up. This is fire. And I was, it was, the show was so much fun. Like, I think that was one of my favorite shows. The makeup, um, the energy. It was really, really cool. I really, really myself. Do you have any yeah. memories from a Marco Marco show that you, that like stick with you? I mean, every, every one I've walked has been amazing. I, but the, the first one is always just like, wow, I remember I, I was a little insecure. So that show, I think of a lot of the muscle guys were there. Like Billy Relic were back they, backstage and he was like hammering down pizzas, but still looking fucking jacked and ripped. And I was just like, I can't eat a damn thing because I need to be and like I'm trying to do pull ups and push ups and things. So I remember that backstage. <laughs> And yeah, like I just, don't think a lot know. of a lot of like girlies know that like backstage yeah. at a fashion show, like because I and that's something I hate about guys is like yeah. you could do fucking push ups right before you go out. Yeah. Swole. <laughs> like there's no girl like doing sit ups right before yeah. a date. Like <laughs> no. No, no girl is doing sit ups before a date or pull ups. Yeah. Like, can you imagine yeah. like me prepping for a date? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, everyone, yeah, I remember that. But I think I think I was over. I wanted to be so like just ripped, um. So I didn't mm -hmm. want to eat a damn thing. But then I realized I'm like, I haven't eaten or drank any water. Like I was, I had dehydrated myself for this. I hadn't drank. I didn't drink uh any liquids for the that I think 24 hour period. So I was really thirsty. And then I I think pizzas were like people bought. I, someone bought a bought pizzas mm -hmm. and there were like 10 boxes of pizzas. And I was just like, I'm not touching it. And then I was like, you know what? Muscles are looking flat. I need to drink something and, and eat a fucking slice of pizza. So I went and got a pizza and then I did some pull-ups, some crunches, and then everything looked great. <laughs> oh my God. I I didn't even know like you're not supposed to like that people don't drink water to look more fit. Yeah. yeah. That's some, a thing. So yeah. I mean, if you think of like with bodybuilding competitions, they take uh they take um pills that essentially Drain dehydrate them, water, dehy like yeah, dehydrate them so that they can look as dry as possible on a stage like the, the skin is like sticking to the muscle <laughs> oh my god yeah. i never knew that i would like i would, yeah <laughs> i never it knew that be very dangerous to do which is like why they it's at right after they have like so much water and like with electrolytes in it and they're just mm -hmm. pounding that down afterwards yeah <laughs> oh my god uh yeah. and then had you shot 
had you after that we started shooting with you a lot but like you did you walk and then start like modeling like editorial for us or how did that yeah Yeah, it was walking first and then modeled okay because i wasn't sure if you had like modeled before for us i remember i remember seeing the, the show the previous year and i think that was the show with uh it went viral with Dexter Mayfield's walk. Aiden Dowling was was on that one. I was mm-hmm. one the first chance guys, and I was just like, I want to be in this show. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I then I was on. <laughs> oh my god! And that was like so like yeah, because I had worked on Drag Race. After Drag Race started like going out in WeHo, and really like found my tribe with Raya and Marco and everyone. And then I left Drag Race, started doing the Marco Marco fashion show. And I, I like, I had just started meeting trans women. And so like, that's why like, it's so crazy. Like as the show evolved, like I evolved kind of too. And like, just like, I didn't, I had ne- like, you were probably one of like the first trans men I had ever met. Wow. Really? So, uh, besides Aiden, there <laughs> yeah. was Aiden and then Laith Ashley. I know. I mean, I mean, there's, as far as visibility goes, I mean, at, at that time, None. Like Even I was still. There's not really many. Uh, like, and that's yeah. <laughs> like people started using, you know, drag queens and shows after our fashion show. And I was like, I was like, let's just like, I mean, I was like, Marco Marco incorporates all of the LGBT community. Like we're not mm-hmm. like we're not stopping at drag queens. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a really big community, and it and everyone shows up in their own individual way like no one mm. you know everyone's just themselves and i think that's what people need to see because even out, the same way that that everyone is is unique outside of the lgbt community everyone within the lgbt community uh presents themselves in themselves in the way that they want to pre- present themselves so it's, mm-hmm. it's not this we're not a monolith <laughs> exactly <laughs> I want to hear a little bit about your backstory because I, I personally know some of your backstory, but okay. the listeners don't. And so I want you to like take me back. Like who was Lath in high school? Oh, man. <laughs> well, I used to call myself a jock nerd. <laughs> so I was kind of a, a ma- masculine girl mm-hmm. um, trying to be feminine in high school. Like I remember. So right before high school, eighth grade. I mean, always a big tomboy. So in eighth grade, mm-hmm. one of my classmates called me a dyke. And I remember it really hurt my feelings because I I didn't have um, all the definitions down. I knew what it was, but I I, I also was raised uh, Christian. So my, my I knew that that meant that was a bad thing, um, even though I knew that as someone that was assigned female at birth and I preferred, my preference was women, girls, I I I just thought that I would hide it from from the world and and keep it and from myself like it was just like okay that's not allowed that's not a good thing I'm just gonna be celibate and that's just the way it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so it was like it it really hurt. And I, is I, that like a conversation that you had to like have with yourself like like in your head like you were like uh, I'm just gonna the the whole dating part like you were attracted to women yeah. But you like suppressed that like you you didn't flirt with women. You were like, I'm going to just be celibate and give no mm-hmm. one attention. Yeah. Like even Did, like, gro- I remember, like even like, guys, because I know like growing up like guy <laughs> like you weren't you didn't weren't bothered never, by no, men. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not you, did. not you no, wanting. No. But I mean, like men. Yeah, like, I mean, approaching some, you. Sometimes they, they, they would. So 
I had like a girl crush every single grade from kindergarten through. You see my my dog just Is the that gossip your doggy? over here. Hi, Yeah. doggy. Oh. They they don't like they don't like when I don't give them attention, so they're losing their minds right now. But um um so but I knew that 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 wasn't the thing. And I remember fifth grade specifically, there was a girl that I had a huge crush on, and then I had to tell myself, I'm like, well, that's not how it's supposed to be. supposed to be so um who's the boy that i would talk to like this is like 10 year old me trying to make sense of dating That's and the so world crazy. and i remember there was a boy named uh moses and we used to play uh play at recess together like it was me and like all the boys um and i was just like i guess and he we used to win so i was just like i guess him because he's the coolest and he wins the game <laughs> but it wasn't like oh he's so cute it was Yeah, never never it anything was like like that like, it was oh, like he's well the well most. if i have to i mean like i guess it's him oh this sucks and i i always felt like i should have been i would pray to be a boy like i would pray i, I did, when i again this is my like child understanding of the world Yeah. and of, of, of spirituality um i was told like if you pray to god god would give you what you need and, and i would pray I'm like god please when i wake up tomorrow i want to be a boy <laughs> it happened eventually um <laughs> but in but in high school i i there were moments where i was really trying to be feminine and i just I, to me it was like me and drag so i i remember after that incident when i was called like a dyke and i would wear we wore a uniform in in, in high school so i remember i my skirt used to go up to my knees and it was like you know very conservative and then after that i was i went to one of my friends who's also queer now by the way and Fuck i was like yeah. hey she used to hem the girl's skirts i was like take the skirt make it as short as is allowed <laughs> so i was walking around with this little thing but i was still walking like yeah <laughs> it was just like girl what you doing <laughs> um you know but i just figured people would think like hey like oh she's a, she's an athlete she's just a ball player that's just how ball players walk Um, so there was that. So I just, I really focused on playing basketball, playing, uh, softball and, um, keeping my grades up. Like I, I took AP, like I said earlier, AP European history, AP calculus, AP physics. Um, so I was a pretty good student and a great athlete. I was actually named best athlete for both male or female in, in high school, which, and, and I remember the boys baseball team actually wanted me to play baseball instead of softball. And I, I felt that I wouldn't be good enough, um, and I decided to stay on the so like to stay on the softball team, and I and that's one thing I do regret. I should have played baseball. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, you should just do that for fun now yeah, I want. I wanted to join for like like a your younger a softball. self. Yeah, like a little uh, softball team or something. And I know that West. Ho I, I was playing basketball um, in WeHo for for a little bit, Mm -hmm. and I and I hurt my knee because you know. <laughs> getting old <laughs> it's just old injuries i mean right now i'm like focusing on a lot of mobility work to try to strengthen uh my tendons and like really Yeah. take care of myself because i used to i wanted to be the best at everything and i would like really really fuck myself up just like i have it's like go harder go faster go stronger Mm -hmm. um yeah if you're not if you if you're not sore like you're not doing enough and it was just i really i really beat up on my body um trying to be the best <laughs> I think you're really hard on yourself. Yeah. I've told you this for like 10 years. <laughs> I know. You're the hardest person <laughs> on yourself. but aren't we all? We like our But worst it's critics, honestly, then, you know? like, I mean, think about the world you had <laughs> to live in as a kid yeah. where you were like, like constantly try, like that's it, part of Yeah. it probably has to do with that. You know, it's Mm hmm. like,
There was so some, when did when did you come out as trans? What was that? What was that yeah. moment like for you? So I came out as gay first. I, I never I didn't like using the word lesbian because I, I just was it just didn't feel right. So I just used gay to as as you knew you like fucking an, oh, knew. I know, but I didn't know the language of that. Yet, yeah, I, I knew that I didn't like lesbian because I liked gay because it was more so like it was a term that maybe encompassed all of it for me in my head. So mm -hmm. I guess I'm gay. Uh, and I came, I came out at 16. So I started, I was dating, I met someone online. There was this uh, website that was similar to MySpace at the time called <laughs> Downlink. And I met a girl in Brooklyn and like we met up and we started dating. We dated over the summer. And that was like my first uh, experience with, with a girl, which was, and it was, it was great. I was just like, wow, okay, this is what it is. It's, it's cool. We went to, the, we would hold hands and go to the village at the pier. And it was, Aww. it was that, yeah. Had, Were you in pizza. love? Um, from what I thought love was, I think I would say so. <laughs> I was like 17. Um, mm -hmm. and it was, it, it was just like, okay, this is, this is who I am. But there was a lot, there were a lot of moments where of guilt, uh, because of my upbringing. So there, I was fighting myself constantly. My, my mom, when she, like when my, my mom found out because my, my aunt outed me, I was staying with my aunt for some time and she, uh, was just like, hey, you're like 17. Or, and like when I was your age, I was dating boys. You're a cute girl. Like where you haven't bought a boy home. Like what's going on? And I was just like, oh, I'm I'm not interested in that. I'm just focused on my schoolwork. And she was just like, mm-hmm. And I think she went through my phone. It was the old flip phones maybe found a text message and also or like was watching me when I was like messaging on, on mm -hmm. AIM. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, was, I was an AIM girl. <laughs> and like found out about about her and then one day she goes uh, so who's this girl that you're going to see in brooklyn and i was like how the fuck do you know i'm going to brooklyn <laughs> she told my mom my mom beat my ass <laughs> your I mom she, beat your ass my, she like i think she blacked out for a moment and she like <laughs> she hit me she like she was like she apologized afterwards she said i'm so sorry like i really didn't know what to do um or how to take that and she was like i remember she like grabbed at my shirt and I had to restrain her and I ran out the door and I called my aunt and my aunt was, she was like, she worked at gay men's health clinic in New York. Fuck so she, yeah. So she was like, she was down. She was like, yeah. I, don't, I don't worry about it. So she, she spoke to my mom. She spoke to my dad and was just like, Hey, this is who like Ash is like, you, you need to have a conversation and like, what are you going to do? This is your child. And yeah. I really, like she, she was kind of a bridge for, for me mm. and, and having that conversation with my family. It was still hard. Um, my mom at one point made me read this this book called Divine Revelations of Hell. And that's when I kind of I backtracked. And like, even though I, at this point, after after I dated this girl over the summer, I had cut mm -hmm. my hair like this. I buzzed it off. There was I had long hair down my back my entire life. And was that I, liberating? Yeah, I, it, it's funny. I did it in stages. This is a funny story, too. I like I cut first. I cut my ponytail off and then. In order to hide that, I would like try to wrap it with a bunch of scrunchies to make it look like I had a bun. And one day my my aunt, the one that that outed me, goes, she looks and it's like, what is what is this here? Well, where's your hair? And she like yanked out all the scrunchies and was like, all your hair is gone. <laughs> like who would, and I was just like, yeah. And then at that point, I was like, well, now I can go to the barbershop and take the rest of it off. <laughs> like, yeah, that's what you did. Yeah, it was like, yeah. like ripping the Band-Aid. <laughs> yeah, so and it was. I used to scare the girls in, in college because I, I went to Fairfield University in Connecticut. So I remember going there and like in the showers with my shaved head, sometimes the girls would jump. I'm like, relax, 
I'm supposed to be in here, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> You've been dealing with bathroom shit from the beginning. Oh, always. That oh, I used to when I started lifting weights, I a group of girls uh, with women lined up in front of my stall at Planet Fitness in Harlem. And they were just like, get out of here. You're a man. What are you doing in here? And I was, and this was before I started testosterone, before I, before I had even come out as trans, they were just like, get out. And I was like, at that point, I started using the men's locker room just to avoid people bothering me. Mm -hmm. So I was already using uh, the men's locker room or bathroom before I started T. As you should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, okay, so fast forwarding to mm -hmm. actually transitioning. Um, I discovered, I, I learned, I wouldn't say discovered, I learned what trans was when I was 19. I was on online. I, I, I don't know how I came across this video. I was on YouTube, came across a guy documenting his transition. His name was online. I remember exactly what it was. It was ANF Jace. Jace. I love that you remember. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my God, he's documenting his changes on testosterone, his, his him going through the legal process of changing his name, gender marker, getting like top surgery, all these things. And I was like, this is me. Oh my God, what am I going to do? Like this, it seemed like so difficult. It seemed like something I would never be able to do. And in my head, um, because of my upbringing, I'm like, oh my God, this is a confirmation of, of like me not going to, I'm going to hell because I'm just like, not, <laughs> there's no going back. You were like, this is a no. double, a double yeah, swipe for my right. parents. So I was just like, like, I don't know what to do. So th there was, I tried to be like straight. It's like barely that, if, if you want to call it that, like, um, there was this guy on the, on the men's basketball team in college and, and he was like, he would be flirty and I would just be like, let me see what this is about. And I remember I went back to his room and we like, I kissed him or we kissed each other. We kind of made out. And then he was like wanting to take it a little further. And I went like, that's nice. Let's go get a haircut. And we ended up just going to the barber shop and getting a haircut together. <laughs> I don't know if he'd remember that at this point. I'm just like, nah, bro, this is not happening. Like, one time I was trying to fuck this girl and <laughs> she asked me to get a haircut after. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. At least so the, that's what I was wondering. Yeah. Like, like that, that was your, like, I'm going to yeah, give it was, one last one, shot. One shot. I mean, there was, I mean, college was, was, it was fun. Like there were, there were some. There and were you few... were, weren't you like quite the like ladies man in college? I, girls did like me, but I was. I feel like you told me that even yeah. in high school, you were like, girls have but, always liked me. But, but I was, I was afraid. So I kind of just, I feel like I still do this. Actually, You I'm still just... do it. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, high five. And then let's go. Right? <laughs> it's the fear. I don't know. It, it takes me a while. But um, so, yeah, I like in high school, girls would tell me that they like me. I think I tried dating one girl and, and then I was like, yeah, I just I wasn't feeling it. And I also was I just it was about me being comfortable. I was if I'm not comfortable, you weren't comfortable in your it's skin hard for me to give that. Um, And then in college, I was trying to deny who I like deny myself of those experiences. And also I was in denial of who I was. So at one point I remember, I'm like, imagine like me without this beard, but the same haircut walking around, like, you know, in men's clothes um, and girls like, Hey, my friend thinks you're cute. And I'm just like, what do you mean? I'm not, a, I'm not gay. And like walking around, <laughs> walking away. And they're so fucking confused. I'm just like, they're like, what? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Especially you know? back then. Yeah. Especially yeah. back then. That's amazing. Yeah. So you were just like, what was that aha moment where you were like, 
this is who um, I am. Like, I'm going to stop because you were suppressed it for years. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was I started doing I was at this on this quest for truth. One of my minors in college was also like religious studies. And I kind of I, into that. I did yeah. that. Yeah. I did world religions. That was yeah. like my one like real college course that I was like, yeah. oh, so into. Mm -hmm. So I, I and I had a friend. One of my best friends was like this Christian girl, but she was the sweetest person ever like non-judgmental and i would we would i would go at i think she was probably sick of me because i i've kind of played the devil's advocate so I, with her i would essentially ask her all the questions that a non-believer would ask so that she can like prove to me that this is this is real and then with someone who was a non-believer one of my one of my professors actually who was like i'm an atheist uh and i would ask him i would be like no because the bible says this and that and i'm like listening like prove to me that your side is 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 correct and I couldn't, there was, there's no proving to me, there was no proving or disproving, but eventually I got to a place where I was just like, fuck all this. I just have to be myself. This like, what was the question you would ask them? Cause I mean, I feel yeah. like I was that girl in Catholics. I was grew up Catholic mm -hmm. and I was that same girl in Catholic class. Mm -hmm. Like I would ask every question. Cause I was like, none of this makes, <laughs> yeah, sense, to makes me. sense to me. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I can't remember anything at this point because it's kind of so far gone. And what, what I've learned and the research that I've done since then has been a lot I've gone a lot deeper. Yeah. So, so I, I can't I can't even remember. I just remember I, I maybe maybe asking like a full question to my my um college professor saying, like, you're an atheist. Why? And how do you know that then God doesn't exist? Like, yeah, like and, what's and, your proof? Yeah. And I think he he went into something about the age of of the earth and how biblical the Bible doesn't say that the Bible like the Bible, you would presume that the the world is like less than 10,000 years old and that's not possible no it's um, billions right, based on like carbon carbon dating and things like that mm -hmm. and then I would go in and try to find something online that negated carbon dating somehow <laughs> this is like a yeah. game you were playing with yeah, yourself yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was just that's like, what college is for it really yeah. is it's like to open up your mind and question things and mm -hmm. and get out of your bubble and find yourself yeah so finally, I mean, after I graduated, like I had at that point, I dated a, a couple girls and I, and it was, it was still, there was still, it was okay, but there was still that, there was still some discomfort internally. Like I remember dating one girl who I really was into. And um, this was after I had, I watched that, that video and I started binding. So I learned what binding was from watching this guy document his transition. I was just like, oh, I would love that because I don't, I hate the way my shirt's fill out with like my breast. I was like, I don't want to see that. And I started binding almost like full time. And I remember us going out on it, like to a dance together. And I felt, I was just like, look how my shirt fits. Everything is flat. And it felt, it felt so great. And that's when I knew I was like, okay, I'm going to have to maybe, I need to do this for me eventually. Um, after, and after I graduated, I started working at um, Callan Lord in New York city. It's a community health center, similar to LA LGBT center mm -hmm. um, in LA. And there I met, other trans guys trans women um and i was just like yeah i i can i can live i was always i i was taught or told by my family or, or, or parents that if you do this like you're never gonna get a job you're not gonna find love you're you're just gonna you're gonna be miserable more miserable and i was so scared and then i saw these people working making a living they had some of them had partners had families mm -hmm. and i was just like oh this is this is nothing like i could do this so i told my mom when i was 23 i was like hey um, in about, I'll get in about a year from now, I'm going to start 
my transition kind of went over her head. She was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And then like January 22nd, 2014, I had my first seizure. <laughs> Laith was yeah. born. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I love that story. Yeah. And now you're super <laughs> close with your family, right? Yeah. I mean, my mom is still, she's getting a little crazy now <laughs> with the like end of time stuff. And I'm just like, mom, you need to get up. I think she's like on Facebook and all that. Like when you start liking certain videos, algorithm starts feeding you more. And it's like just coming at her. And I'm just like, mom, mm -hmm. get off your phone. you need to look at other things because you're driving yourself insane. That's <laughs> what it is. It's the local. My mom was like that with the, she was the local news kind of mom. And I'd be mm -hmm. like, you're waking up. <laughs> to put fear into your body. Like yeah. even my girlfriends, like when my girlfriends send me memes about mental health before 7 a.m., I'm like, get the fuck off Instagram, Brittany. <laughs> Brittany, this yeah. is why your mental health isn't good because yeah. you're reading things yeah. before like your brain's even had time to wake up. Yeah. That's like my new thing now is like I wake up and like no fucking social media because if not, I will be fear and anxiety driven like all day and I can't start my day off that way. Yeah. And you you have to like you have it's like get up maybe get some sun take your dog on a walk for a little bit and like leave your phone alone and then leave your like, phone because otherwise you'll start you'll just start scrolling again and being hit with bombarded with all of this this stuff. Mm -hmm. so it's too much. Oh, <laughs> uh, but bringing it back to what you said about like your parents, like I think that's such a common thing, and like one parents in of like all children is that like like why is it they think they could see the future because like. Yeah. No one could predict the future. Like no one could tell you that like your life or your choices are going to have any effect on your love life, career, like any of that. And I feel like it was our parents' generation, a little bit of like their parents' generation of this, like being able to predict the future yeah. that like none of them have control on what happens with our I lives. Mean, like even just going to college <laughs> when we were kids, it's like, yeah. well, if you don't go to college, you're going to. Mm -hmm. Well, now we all went to college and we're all in debt. That's for... right. <laughs> so thanks well, they didn't for that. anticipate that this, <laughs> yeah. that, you know, yeah. this was going to happen because I, I don't know. Because I they think... can't predict the future. Predict the future <laughs> right. So like they, I think with parents, they just want the best for their kids. Yeah. Usually that's what it, what it was. It I comes were... from a place of love. Right. I am so, well, right. well aware of that. So yeah. They, they, I think they just wanted to protect me and, and also themselves because mm -hmm. there's, some, there's something that's unknown and that they don't know. And also, and like people's perceptions, I think for my, like for my dad, my dad, for example, I think the biggest thing was, you know, Latino man, like his, his name and the family name. And he's just like, you bring, you know, bring shame to my family's name. So initially he was like almost feeling like he wanted to disown me. And I kind of like, I really let him have it. Cause I was just, I was just like, excuse me. So you're not proud of me anymore because of like all, mm -hmm. all the things that I, that I've accomplished and, and, and that's that goes out the window because you don't like who I, who you think that I am. And mm -hmm. like, you know, he kind of sat with that for a while. And I remember there was some there were some distant family members that used to call me hombrecito, or el, el hombrecito de Victor. My dad's name is Victor. So like that, my uh, Victor's little little man, and you know, quotes trying to basically you know shit on me. And I was just like, and they said that in front of him apparently. And I I confronted him about it. I was just like, so when they said that about me behind my back, what did you do? So you cowered. I was like, you cowered away and let them say that about your child. You better, you better work. Like, you, like stand up for me. If you are you proud of me? Do you love me? Right. So tell them to shut the fuck up if they're talking about me behind my back and talking about your child to your face. And he was just like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sir. You know. Right. <laughs>
So I love it. You know? <laughs> I love that you checked your dad. It, he probably yeah. that's probably like that probably built his respect for you up till mm-hmm. was like my son. Like obviously <laughs> this is yeah. I mean, and this, like being trans is one part of you. Mm-hmm. Like as human, like we're he's so... so proud. He's very proud, proud now. Yeah. I love that, yeah. and you've told me that. You've talked <laughs> yeah. to me about your bond with your dad, and I fucking love yeah. that. Yeah. Don't you guys like like yeah? I feel like you guys have gotten closer. Yeah. Because of my, it, my mom. I think with my mom, I think in her mind she had a daughter, and she wanted to do all these things that that moms do with their little girls. And if mm-hmm. she feels like maybe she didn't get the opportunity to have have that, um, and I told her I was like, well, my brother's married, and now they just actually had their first their first kid, and and uh, in on the third of January. So I'm just like, you, can, you, can do, you can do a lot of that bonding with her. Like she's your daughter-in-law and, and she's very girly. She's like the girliest thing ever. I was like, yeah. she's feminine. And like, go, like a gift. go shopping, yeah, like... do the thing. <laughs> and it's so much better being the grandma. Like she's not yeah. going to hate you when she's right. 16. Like you want a daughter yeah. until the teenage years. And right. then and even adulthood, mother-daughter relationships are very complicated. Yeah. It is this like, there's like this weird competition and, and I think yeah. she's, I think she's going to do just great yeah. with her granddaughter. And also, well, no, it's with, with her, her daughter-in-law. It's a grand, he, they had a boy. So it's a grand oh! <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, my, I met my brother's <laughs> wife, my brother's wife. <laughs> God damn it. I heard that. No, wrong. No, no, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're really, we're still really close. Like she calls me for everything. Mm-hmm. Like we still have we still kind of have that relationship, like mother daughter. Like I always mm-hmm. call myself that even I know a lot of people are, are different in the way that um, they identify or the way that they let their family speak to them. Mm-hmm. I'm very comfortable with knowing that I was, I, I know that I was assigned female at birth. I know that I was raised a little girl. Oh my gosh. They're losing their minds. <laughs> I know. <we're... laughs> you the um, uh, that, and, and that I was that to her, I was her, daughter even mm-hmm. if i was masculine and, and that i was my my i'm the oldest so i'm my brother's oldest older sister so sometimes i'm like i'm your bro sis like i don't I, whatever it's it is what it is and if if my mom mm-hmm. feels so even for my mom like we're still able to have conversations about womanhood if i'd still experience that if she mm-hmm. things to me and i'll listen to her and we'll talk about things so it's nothing's really changed but my like exterior (laughs) i love that no it's so true that's what like it's like and that is just one part of like who we are yeah i just grew i I like to say i grew into myself i just grew up there's i didn't Mm -hmm. change or become somebody else i like grew up from a child to an adult yeah exactly (laughs) that's that's like just like going through puberty that's all it is exactly it's all it is oh my god i when you in the beginning what actually I do want to know, like, what is one piece of advice that you would tell younger life knowing what you know about life now? Um, be kinder to yourself. I think that's ultimately is that I was very I, even still now like there's there are moments where I'm I'm really mean to myself. Uh, me, t- just, me too. You know, like tear myself apart. Like, oh, you're so dumb. Oh, you're, mm-hmm. you're better. Like, because I'm. And it's it's, it's almost masochistic is yeah. I think the word yeah. I am very much a masochist yeah. <laughs> and because <laughs> it's a it's I mean I know and we know that that com- what that comes from it comes from trauma from feeling like you mm-hmm. have to be perfect so that you can be uh that like valued by loved no love. like yes. yeah we used uh, to think that like yeah the more that we like through our own personal traumas like that like we have to be these perfect people because mm-hmm. then we'll be finally be seen we'll finally yeah. be accepted yeah 
people won't leave us. Like mm -hmm. my trauma stems from like abandonment issues. And so that's why I think I clutch on perfectionism so that people don't leave me. <laughs> Where yours is like yes. comes from a sense of being perfection, like because you've been yeah. feeling that way since you were a little kid. Yeah, it's uh, it's feeling like I, I'm. I don't want to. It's ultimately it comes from like not wanting to disappoint my parents and wanting to make mm -hmm. wanting to make them proud. Like wanting them to, wanting them to look at me like, wow, this is this is my baby, and look look what 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 they've accomplished, you know. And I, mm -hmm. I think uh, I feel like I've 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 achieved a lot, but it's still sometimes it just it's a, it's that thing. I feel like it comes it back like in it's enough, or like I I can do more, or I should have I could have worked harder. Like now. What I've been thinking, I, I've been talking to my friends about is just like, damn, I should have listened to my dad and gone to medical school. Uh, I should have been a doctor. I'm like, I, I, or should I? I've been reaching out to my friends that I went to school with that went pre med and, and are doctors mm -hmm. now. And I'm like, do you, did you have any, like, anyone in your, in your classes that were in their 30s or like 40s? Um, and they were like, yeah, there were. And, you know, the time is going to pass anyway. And yes, they became doctors later in life, but they're still they're still doctors and they're still practicing. Wait, do like, it. Mm, am I going to do that? Do it. <laughs> but then I'm like, like, I don't want to be in crippling debt. No, <laughs> I mean, yeah, but yeah. it's like we're all in yeah. debt. That's but how yeah. I, You're right. <laughs> I get through the day sometimes being like, you know what? Like, I'm not the only person in debt. Like, I'm not. Yeah. We're all there. And like, and it's a fear I have. I'm like, I worry about millennials retirement. Like our, none of us are going to be able to retire. We're all going to be like old. Like there, I hope there's, and like, no one's having kids anymore. So like, we're not even gonna have kids to take care of us. Like, what are we going to do? I mean, have you, it's, it's, we're little, moving it's into scary. the LGBT, we're moving into yeah. the senior LGBT, <laughs> LGBT center. center. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's essentially what's going to have to happen. I mean, I mean, look, I think that as time changes, there needs to be like the systems need to catch up and, and things need to change in our society in order to accommodate for the changes that are happening with the people in that society. And I, I've, I think that the problem that we're having now is that we're trying to force people that have progressed past where we were previously into a box that maybe worked for people previously, but it's not working for us. And that's the huge mm -hmm. clash that we're having, this culture clash that we're having now. Um, and as far as like what you're like, I mean, I, I just read something this morning about like they're trying to privatize uh, Social Security and Medi and like Medicare and all these things. I'm just like, oh, what? It's going to make healthcare exponentially more expensive. And it's already it's so expensive. It's, it's already crazy. insane. And <laughs> I'm, at so much. I'm, like, <laughs> right. I'm at the bronze package. I'm at the bronze basic package. You see what I'm saying? So it's just like, come <laughs> it's on, a lot. something needs to give. So I. I I'm really hoping that Lathe, we, you're we becoming a doctor. Out. You're you yeah. gotta become a doctor. <laughs> or a polit like a politician, like or something. I mean, I, I feel like I mm -hmm. I feel called to do something more greater. I think uh if I do not become a physician or a PA, I, I do want to work with with people in, in the medical field or mm -hmm. organize organize people in general to like really come together and figure out how to fix the world's problems. And I think that's, that's a, it's like, it sounds like it's a large task and I don't even know where to start or where to begin. And my mom is just like, you're trying to do too much. But I'm, I think, I think people are going to come into my life and we're going to be able to do it together for sure. Yes. Yeah. Like that's the thing. It's like, we can't do it alone. We have to do yeah. it like in community yeah. and find other people that are passionate about the same things yeah. you are. And, yeah. oh, Let's wrap up the interview with a couple rapid fire questions. I mean, okay. just ones I want to know. So like, what is your dating life like? Who are you dating? Who are you crushing on? <laughs> Nobody. That's the book. So I haven't dated anyone since 20. Actually, that's a lot. 
I, I tried to talk to someone in 2020, but it was during the pandemic. They ended up leaving LA because they weren't working anymore. And she moved to, uh, I think, North or South Carolina or something. So it okay. was like, it was like a, a month or two month long, like FaceTime thing. And it just, I was just like, oh, this isn't working for me. And but that ended and we, I haven't really talked to anyone since then. <laughs> oh my God. Who is this mystery woman? What's your type? What is my type? I, I mean, I like a, I kind of like a bitch some a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Like just the, in control. Like that's what someone would call call them. I wouldn't call her that. But like <laughs> someone who knows what she wants and and like is kind of deciding like this is what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. Tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> You're like me. <laughs> no, no, I like to be I like to be produced too. Yeah. I'm like I not, I Yeah. I mean, not always. And I say that because, I mean, I do, I, I'm very, I can be a control freak myself, but I think me wanting to do, I do so much. And my mind is always in different places. Having someone that uh, can be like, okay, okay, we, that's silly. Like we're not doing that. And I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. you're right. Let's not, let's, let's do something else. <laughs> what's your crazy, what's your craziest dating story? Hmm. Or like, girl, have you had stalkers before? Or like fangirls? Fangirls. Uh, so I like everything's been on, a day everything's been on online for the most part so i'm I, just like Ugh. don't like, get think, out you know nothing, nothing i mean it's i'm telling i haven't had a lot of those experiences because i've kept myself so i know that's that's the the boring side so i remember mm -hmm. like the craziest thing i think was like my sophomore year in college um the girl that i was dating i think she was kind of she was a little freaky king relax <laughs> what do you mean by freaky like she was like into like she wanted to go out like she was she wanted to do things in the car and whatnot and i was just she like i remember she had a she had a car at the time i didn't she we drove into town and mind mm -hmm. you, this is like fairfield connecticut this is like a very wealthy um, she pulled up by someone's house like and was just like oh let's like do something here and i was we started to and i was just like uh, i don't know if i can like they're they're gonna turn on the lights in their like to their garage like yeah see see, you're, like, one no, no, those, no, you're one of those no. guys that overthinks. <laughs> i was oh i would always find the guy that would like yeah like i was like her like we'd be somewhere and i'd yeah. be like i want to like let's hook up right here right here i'm like <laughs> people are gonna see us and I'm yeah like, i was like no. <laughs> let's go back to the to, to the campus like well we don't need to do this here <laughs> Yeah, I was always like afraid of getting in trouble. So I didn't, I really kind of stayed out of trouble for the most part. Yeah, <laughs> I, I really, I'm like, I can't, I'm like trying to think of, maybe if we have a follow-up interview, I'm like, I have to think about it. Yeah, like, think about many, like a crazy dating. No, I, I didn't think you were going to give no. me one. I'm like, Lathe is like. And it's not because I wouldn't get, I, I would if I had one. I'm just like. I can probably count on one hand how many people I've dated. Maybe me and you, we have to push each other to date this year. Yeah. <laughs> each other. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, it, I mean, <laughs> I, maybe. <laughs> I was always, I was always scared of Arise to try anything oh, with really? you. <laughs> Arise is like, and then she's, she's like, gone. girl, we're, she's we're like, girl, we haven't dated in ten years. <laughs> yeah, she's like my sister now. And yeah, it, it I know. Went from that, and I think, I just honestly, sometimes I think about that relationship. It was just like, it was one of those things. I was still coming. I was when we started dating. I was only like a year and a half, two years into my transition. So I was still trying to figure myself out. She mm -hmm. was trying to figure herself out in the industry. We met on a we met on a show. We were spending so much time together. You grew up together for yeah, sure. Yeah, so see, that's what kind of what it was. And then afterwards, it was just like, this wasn't gonna work out. You're no, like, literally, no. Li we're literally it's like brother or sister. Like when we think mm -hmm. about like our relationship now, it's just like ew. No, I <laughs> like, know. Well, and I love your friendship. It's like yeah. such a healthy, beautiful yeah. friendship. I love it. <laughs> oh, we still fight all the time. Like, get the fuck out of my. But now. <laughs> 
it's like and we're neighbors so i'm like get the fuck out of my house go to your room um, <laughs> we say that to each other i love it no i love it i love your relationship <laughs> at the beginning of the podcast you were like yeah. i've been waiting for like my calvin klein break when i yeah. first i think i discovered you on instagram because of that one picture weren't you wearing mm -hmm. calvin klein underwear yeah so actually that that photo shoot um the photographer that took that his name is nelson castillo What's up, Nelson? Um, he shout out Nelson. Shout out Nelson. Yeah, he was he reached out to me on Instagram and he was just like, I really like your look. I want to photograph you. I thought this has never happened to me before. And I thought I was like, am I gonna do this? It sounds creepy. This random man just reached out to me. I don't know who this guy is. And mm -hmm. then in my you know, in my mind, I was like, eh, worst thing, what what's the worst that can happen? He tries to fight me or tries to do something, I can take him. It's fine. Mm -hmm. then I was like, I I was really confident in my ability to like really fuck some shit up. So, <laughs> so I was just like, I agreed. And I, I show up to his house. This guy's six, five. <laughs> and Hot. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> but he You're was like, like, he's going to kick my he's ass. Like, he's like, but he was like a gentle giant, really sweet. He was like, hey, it's so nice to meet you. Um, Thank you for coming. We did. Uh, Initially, it was just portraits. So he had he set up his his studio space Um, with his backdrop. He put like a, a stool in front of the great back. It was going to be just something really simple. And after he took those photos, I was like. I bought these and it was the pair of those Calvin Klein underwear. And, and I was like, do you want to photograph me in that? And those ended up being the ones that went viral. He edited. I remember he like, you know, edited a couple that night, sent them to me. I posted them mm -hmm. on my Instagram and they went viral the next day. So uh, it's in, like funny enough. I'm like, come on. Those those were come on, Calvin. If not Calvin, I'm like, Donatella, let me be your muse, please. Right. <laughs> Versace. Versace. I, I mean, Versace. Yeah, I mean, Versace's been stepping out and like featuring more like LGBT um, people in their campaigns. So maybe yeah. there's something there. But Calvin Klein, I know you're not listening to this podcast, but get it together and <laughs> right. sign license, sign right. like Ashley already. Right. Put me on on one of those billboards somewhere. Oh right. my god, I think it's gonna <laughs> happen. I think we're manifesting it. Yes, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I'm. I'm blaming, I don't, I still think that the Taylor music video was like a huge career point for you. Like, oh, even yeah. if it didn't, what was, because everyone like will want me, like the girlies listening will want to know, yeah. like, what <clears throat> was, what was that experience? Like getting to be Taylor Swift's love interest. It was, it was almost, it felt like surreal. Like it felt like it wasn't really happening. And you know, I, I wasn't trying to be like, fan girly or anything like that i was just like okay that's taylor right there we're gonna mm -hmm. work. this is a job we're gonna work and she was really sweet very professional um i love that she let me like she let everyone around actually look at the monitors after each take and like say this is what you see what you look like and then mm -hmm. kind of instruct you on what what it was that she what her vision was and what she wanted you to do um so it was it was great I, it was really really nice working with her um what's the proudest yeah, moment what's the proudest moment of your career thus far proudest there's so many things that have happened i think at every stage there's something like really really cool at, at first it was being able to get on tv for the first time um with strut with strut and even and before that it was uh i was part of a modeling agency called trans models it was like really new in new york and i remember they were really trying to uh push their their uh trans talent and we made the news. So that was like my, the first time on, on TV. And I think I was one of the featured models. And that was really, really cool. Um, and then uh, the Diesel Diesel campaign that was shot by David LaChapelle. That's right. I forgot you did yeah. that. That was huge. With, with Ra Raja uh, was in that too. Mm -hmm. um, I think I submitted talent to them for that. Yeah. 
I forget, like in the beginning, yeah. my early <laughs> years, like everyone would hit me up, like if they wanted like trans or gay people, and I would always mm. submit names. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember that, so that Diesel thing. Yeah, so that was that was pretty pretty incredible. Like, I remember like just the the setup. It was in the middle of the desert. I was just like, this is so freaking cool. The clothes, like the I was like, can we keep these Diesel jeans? <laughs> I was like, they're so cool. They, we had they built this huge wall. Cause I think the campaign was uh. Uh, make love not walls and yes we were, we were fucking jumping off the walls onto like it was it was amazing it was we were in the dirt oh my and, God. Like, and we had they had oil slicked us mm -hmm. and it was it was amazing um and then after that i did british gq uh there were a few other campaigns after that abercrombie and fitch that was one of the first trans models to be on abercrombie and fitch um which was really fun as well uh late you've made so it many, so late you've made it you've made it <laughs> yeah. no but you want more i get it yeah. you've also broken into music is that something mm -hmm. you're still doing uh i haven't done anything new since uh before the pandemic to be honest and i've been i've been trying to but it's just the music industry is really really difficult mm -hmm. i think i think for me so what i've noticed with uh with trans trans artists right now like whether no, no matter what field you're in is that they're there's this, uh, I think it's almost feels like they're looking for people that are, are visibly trans. And because I'm normally cis assumed, mm -hmm. I think it, it was something that was maybe, uh, sensationalized in the beginning of my career. And now is because I, I remember distinctly like, oh my God, finally some trans mask uh, representation. And just as soon as that, as I got that, it went away because then it went to like, Oh, not all trans people look like that. That's not uh, that's not real trans. I forgot that. Yeah. Like there has been, yeah, yeah. it's like not so, everyone could look as good look, as Lath Ashley. I wouldn't. I don't know if I use that language. <laughs> I'll get canceled. No, but it was it was essentially kind of it was a little bit of that, and I think people started to because they felt like maybe I had attained something, uh, or like I'm because I'm not visibly trans, or because in their minds I'm like so mm -hmm. pa passing that my struggle as a trans person was over. And I'm just like, no, I'm still a trans person. I'm still a person of color. I'm still existing in the world and having to take up space in that way. Mm -hmm. Go to the doctor. I have to tell them, like, I, I'm I'm getting care for my Yeah, this, like, just because I'm trans body. Yeah. Like, oh, that's so, that must, so, that's yeah. hard on your self-worth yeah, fucking yeah. too. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, I think that because, I mean, we can, we're probably going to need to do a follow-up to this because I, I, yeah. I, I could talk <laughs> about this for hours. I think that there's also been, uh, this uh this thing it's very it's it's part of the issue with patriarchy it it's it becomes a problem for everyone and since people started to call out toxic masculinity for example there's been i feel like a subgroup of people that have been just tossing like trying to toss masculinity in general off to the side is all toxic which isn't true like femininity and masculinity work hand in hand Pe some people have both and everything in between and it can be beautiful is toxic masculinity terrible? Yes, but not all of masculinity is that. And I think that because people are bunching up all of men and masculinity into toxic masculinity, they're tossing away men. And I think a lot of cis men are feeling the brunt of that. And then trans men that look like me also feel discarded. So it feels like, mm -hmm. our, like your feelings are no longer, doesn't matter. So that it's part of, it's just like, oh, you're, it's, you're a man, man up. I don't give a fuck about your feelings and then also discard you off to the side, like just deal with it on your own. So there's that, that feeling as well. Mm. And I think, so, I mean, 
Yeah. Which it's like, it's, it's always, no. And I think the same went towards like with the patriarchy with, with feminine men being Mm -hmm. like that Mm -hmm. stemmed from like a hatred towards women. Like, Oh, if something's feminine, it must be, you know, Mm -hmm. must be beneath us, you know, less power. Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking specifically, specifically within the queer community though like oh yeah i mean yeah you're right like the muscle gaze yeah so and and specific and then even if you go into specifically within the trans community i the i feel like uh binary presenting trans men have been discarded and i and i yeah i think that there's um like there's there's certain there's some trans guys that i feel like have not gotten like they've done the work they're Mm -hmm. super super talented there, like one in particular is Brian Michael Smith. He's been he's a trained actor. He went to school for this. Finally, books a huge role. First uh, trans man to book a starring like series regular mm-hmm. on a network television show, Nine One One Lone Star on Fox, and no public. A lot of people don't know who he is, and I was like, why? Why is that? Because he's he should be that everyone should be talking about no one's talking about like this is the first and he's and he's right now the only and has been for the last five years. Why do you think that is? Because he's a trans man. Yeah. Black, black trans man at that. Mm-hmm. And he's he's and he's uh he's not he's cis assumed, he's not visibly trans. Um and I think that that might be like there's more attention that goes towards uh people that are more visibly trans. And and that this is not to pin uh, people no, this is me completely. Being, I, I like to be very, very careful with that because people, because I, I look the way I look, I've gotten, I've gotten canceled a couple times for saying things that people maybe took the wrong mm. way. Um, but there is, I yeah. Think please that, don't take any of our yeah. opinions yeah. here. This is two friends. Yeah, catch it up and talking it's, about your truth. I mean, it's yeah. your truth. It's how you feel. Yeah. I think, and I, and again, I think it's it's also the industry. I think the industry wants to capitalize off of like there's that clickbait, like oh look at this person, especially if they're if they're visibly trans. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something to sensationalize and talk about and make this huge thing about when like no, this person is is who they are and they're existing. Um, yes, it's it's a big deal if it's if it's a first within a certain part of the industry, but mm-hmm. yeah, this also makes space for everyone's everyone's truth and i think that we have been moving towards that but there's you know i feel like there that oftentimes the trans uh more binary presenting trans men are tossed aside there's there's a few others that i can think of that don't we don't really get any don't get no love (laughs) what what can we do to change that um i just think that uh kind of like like i use Issa Rae as an example like a lot of black television is is being dropped by a lot of the big um uh big streaming networks or, or the big streaming companies and she's like okay if if, if these uh if they don't want to produce my my shows i'm going to create my own and now she's she has her own studios uh she's mm-hmm. she's getting back to open up her, her own studios and create her own stories and and she mm-hmm. fund her own own work we have to come together and hopefully be, be able to do be, be able to do the same thing and tell our own stories because yes the the stories that talk about our hardship and our struggles are important, but that's not all of that we are. I want to talk. I want to talk about like and celebrate our all the good parts of our stories. I think that one of mm-hmm. the biggest flaws that I've seen in, especially with with trans people, of like of all all backgrounds in in media, is that it's it's always like 
the the, the sad neg- story the sad story like yes. i mean a yeah. reese <laughs> a reese a reese said on her episode yeah. she was like i didn't even know i could fall in love or have a relationship because yeah. i had nothing to base it off, of. off of yeah and so, so i think it is important to like yeah. yeah like do your own thing and start your own lane instead oh, tell, of mm-hmm. tell, tell full stories because also what i've noticed too like whenever there's a trans character the trans character is always alone and I'm just like, what's the first thing that queer people do when they go to a new place is find community. So and that's not only is that making the character on the show feel isolated. Uh, I'm just like, like, that's not it's not real because that person would have other queer trans friends as well that, will, mm-hmm. that they would build community with. And as far as jobs, that would also give other queer and trans people jobs on that same particular show. If that character that they had had friends that were also queer, even if for if for a scene to show like their background and like see like what they do outside of whatever the show is about, outside of their work, their workspace. So there is definitely space for 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 telling a more vivid, more full story that encompasses encompasses the the person's entire life. Um, mm-hmm. that's another thing i've I've known a lot of the, the tv right now it's either they're redoing things that have they've done in the past um or if it's something new the writing is i feel like so subpar <laughs> so like so and like it's, even it's, like the gay shows it's like they just had chat gbt write everything right. where like <laughs> if i have to hear t or slay like like they've ruined the words right. they're also yeah there's not that's not i'm like no one talks like that like, no one on. talks like that <laughs> No one talks. What are y'all? What are you saying? It used to be the drag queen in mm-hmm. the back of the club that you would hear say the words, and now it's like everyone say these words. And I'm I, like, if you say it, at least like use it right. Use it right. <laughs> House down boots. Uh, right. No, no. <laughs> That's exactly what it sounds like too. It does. It's like Valley Girls being like, "What's the tea? Yeah, like- Spill the tea." Like, oh. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> what's next for you what are your like aspirations for the for this year give me a sneak uh, peek on what's coming up well i'm i mean i'm up for something pretty may i don't know if i can talk about it i had to sign an nda well uh, yeah just give me like like tease me with it it's giving vegas showgirl <laughs> okay vegas showgirl gig yeah, like like is it like, tv uh, entertainment music what is it uh i'm thinking like showgirls like think elizabeth berkeley and showgirls i'm that all might, here you know something like that my might end up yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes so that 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 might be happening so we'll we'll see uh we've only had a one meeting about that um i think <laughs> the next step would probably be to have a little table read for um for the show and see what mm-hmm. the uh, chemistry is like with all the the characters and see what happens <sighs> i see <Yeah>. that <laughs> i mean i'm a casting director so yeah. like i kind of know but no yeah. i mean i've always seen you like on the big screen mm-hmm. i think I, like you're too I'm pretty come on <laughs> i mean it's happening let's, let's, let's keep, make it happen let's put it put it out there <laughs> honestly you all you have to do is keep putting yourself out there and i know that like you're just gonna keep to keep climbing that ladder baby yeah i mean that's what that's what we all have to do I love we that you've do. done this as well. Like we, I mean, like and I said, I'm pre- like you, I used yeah. to pull myself out of holes. Like I talk mm-hmm. so like when I'm doing this podcast, uh, everyone's getting like the best version of me, like, but they yeah. don't see like the girl that on some like weekends, I will just close the blinds and throw on 
Love Island for <laughs> 48 hours. And like, yeah. that's all I'll do. And I, and like, I want to disassociate and be in my little depression thing. But then we climb ourselves out of it and we keep yeah. fighting. Yeah, exactly. But that's the thing. We're not all, we're not all one thing. We're all a lot of th different things mm -hmm. at once and a culmination of experiences and, and <sighs> just all the things. It's so, like, so true. Keep, keep doing it. I'm le I've learned that is like where none of us are one thing like life isn't so black and white. Mm -hmm. And also, as long I always say too, as long as we're like breathing and living on this earth, like you have, you have time to to grow to learn. And that's the most important thing. Like I try to do something or learn something new every day. I'm <sighs> trying to really get myself out of my comfort zone. I think one thing that I wanted to do while my body is still capable of it, I've wanted to do it my entire life. And I've been putting it off for years, even since I moved to LA and I've made a commitment. I'm right now as I'm dealing with like a knee injury. So once this is like fully healed, mm -hmm. maybe at least 90%, I'm going to jam. Like it's a, a kind of a, a tricking gym, like mixed martial arts slash like acrobatics gym. I want to go there and I want to learn how to like start doing some back handsprings and backflips and things like that. And just, Fuck be outside yeah. and just like boop, this ah. backflip. <laughs> I literally, that's always okay. I remember being a little girl being like, people that backflip are like, like I would just be doing it all the time. Like at yeah. every party, I'd be like, <laughs> yeah. hold, like on, hold on, guys. <laughs> Like yeah. when, <laughs> I was always friends with the table. <laughs> I was always friends with the cheerleaders and I would yeah. make them do it. I'm like, bitch, if I could do that, I would be doing that down the beach every day. <laughs> I love it. So lay goal in your planner, do a back back handspring by the end like, of the year. Like, You're gonna do it. Write it down, write it down. Write it down. <laughs> Get <this> down. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it was so fun, fun catching up with you. It was great catching up with you too. It was I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to, yes, we're doing it again. I love it. Like, cause we could keep going. We've been going. I love it. Um, I'm going to go get ready for our date. Okay. <laughs> I'm ready then. I'm like, are you ready? <laughs> um, this was so much fun. Thank you for joining me. And yes, I'm having you on again. Absolutely. Have a great All right. I love you. <laughs> I love you too. Bye. Bye. I love uh, you. Shut up Chanel. Shut up, Chanel. Chanel. Shut up.